Amen. Thank you, Corey, so much for being here and uh, more importantly for bringing your family with you. Uh, we, we do miss you guys dearly. Um, it's uh, something we've, we've learned in ministry. You can go ahead and take your Bibles, by the way, and open with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 that Corey just referenced. Um, Acts chapter 13. One of the things we have learned in, uh, in ministry over the years, Carrie and I, is that some of the best friends that we make in ministry are often those friendships that the Lord tends to move. And uh, it is a sad thing, but it is also uh, an incredibly grateful thing when you get opportunities to spend time with one another. And so honestly, uh, I, I feel it has been one of God's great blessings to me personally and, uh, and to carry into our family and our church family that when Corey and Ashley left to go to Vermont, I, I remember being there in the parking lot of Hell's Chapel uh, with that U-Haul and with one, one of their members that was there to sort of see them off there at the end. And I remember being there and thinking, well, this, this is a great friendship that is not ending, but is certainly going to change. We hunted together. We hung out together. Ashley used, and Carrie used to joke, we only hung out during hunting seasons, but we still hung out a lot during those seasons. And uh, I remember when they left thinking, man, that's just a great friendship that is now, you know, many, many, many hours away. And uh, when they came back into the area, uh, Corey and I, I mean, we talked about it as we were hunting. Um, that, man, it, it's just we don't want to take the time for granted that we get to spend with one another because we know, again, the Lord is, is going to move you all away or move, move people as, as he oftentimes does. And we see that. And uh, it's been a great honor for us as a church that we've been able to partner with the Icuses, uh for so long. And, and I, want, I want you to know that like, as a pastor, it is a proud moment when missionaries come to me and say to me, hey, we want to thank you for your church's support. Y'all support us like none other, or y'all support us as well as anyone ever has. And it's such an honor to serve a church that has that mindset towards missionaries. And I, and I don't mean just Corey and Ashley. I mean, I have uh, Jamie and Joey that just can't tell me enough how the love and support they feel from this church and how this church has been, uh, how, how, they've, how, how God God has used our church to support them and bless them. And, and I have their teammates who come to me and say, Will, man, we'd love to have support like they have. Will you adopt us as members of your church? And uh, even talking with Keith and Joel just this week, um, they, they just felt the love that we as a church family showed to them. And, uh, and they're here in the area trying to find a time they can come back and update us and see us because they want to see the church family as well. And it's such a, a, a point of, of pride in a good way, not in a bad way for me to be able to say, yes, our church family supports our missionaries and, uh, and does it very well. So just I want to thank you as your pastor for being such a loving and supportive congregation. And what I want to do today as we sort of send Corey and Ashley off is I want to look at this now from our perspective as a church family. And so what, what are we doing as a church family as we send off two of our own to somewhere else in the world or in the state to proclaim the good name of Jesus Christ? And so if you will, take your Bibles again. Acts chapter 13, we're going to pick up in verses 1 through 3. So just a small text this morning. Uh, we, we should get 
out of here and plenty of time to, to snack and have fellowship together. Uh, so just, just a small sort of quick text this morning as we see the commissioning of missionaries for the mission of God. And in the text this morning, we're going to see four truths concerning the sending out of missionaries for the mission of God. So let's pick up Acts chapter 13. We're going to start reading in verse 1, make our way through verse 3. We'll pray, and then we'll walk through the text together. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Crene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Let's pray. Lord, we are just grateful to be able to gather together as a church family to have Corey and Ashley and their family with us this morning and just to be able to celebrate what you have already begun to do and look forward to hearing of what you are going to do. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would take what's remaining in this service, you would take this sermon, this time of commissioning, and, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would use it to be an encouragement to Corey and Ashley, to be an encouragement to our church family, and, Lord, that you might be glorified in all of it. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll in the text again. We're going to see four truths concerning the sending out of missionaries for the mission of God. Number one, the church must understand their responsibility to the mission of God. If we're going to be the church that God wants us to be for them, if we're going to hold the rope, if you will, then the church, first of all, must understand their responsibility to the mission of God. Now, the context of this passage is key. The New Testament church has already been assigned their mission. Their mission is to take the gospel to the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts sort of detail how the gospel went into Jerusalem, spread to Judea, and then even into Samaria. And then the remaining of the book of Acts demonstrates how God begins to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the nations. In Acts chapter 10, we have Peter, remember, sitting on his rooftop. He's hungry. And all of a sudden, the Lord sends him a vision about eating all sorts of animals, those that were deemed clean and those that were deemed unclean. And Peter, reluctant at first, says, No, Lord, I will not eat that which is unclean. And God responds back, Who are you to call unclean what I have called clean? Get up and eat and do what I'm commanding you and leading you to do. Peter thought it was all about food until all of a sudden the knock at the door below and it was a man who had been sent by this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile who wanted to hear more about Jesus. And so Peter was invited to go back to Cornelius's house and Peter realized, oh, God's doing more than showing me I can eat whatever I want. God wants the gospel to now go to the Gentiles. And God Since Peter, Peter goes to Cornelius, proclaims the gospel, Cornelius gets saved, his household gets saved, and here's a defining moment in the book of Acts, they are then filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that is evidence and proof that God was behind the gospel going to the nations. Peter goes back, reports to the church at Jerusalem. I can't explain all that went on, but this is what happened. God has now opened the door. And here we come then to the church at Antioch where we're in in Acts chapter 13. You see, Antioch 
The church was ready to fulfill the mission of God. And it's absolutely phenomenal what we see. Look with me back now in Acts chapter 11 verse 20. Because I want you to see a little bit more about this church. In Acts chapter 11, pick up with me in verse 19. It says, now... Those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Crete, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. In other words, Greek-speaking Gentiles also preaching the Lord Jesus. And so Antioch becomes the first place that the gospel begins to be proclaimed to those who were not solely Jews. And in Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch will be the first church to actually send out missionaries to reach the nations. Why? Because the church at Antioch took the mission of God personally. Think about that for a moment. Too often times we view the mission of God as something that someone else will do. Amen? Isn't that how we view it? That's what Lottie Moon's for. That's what Annie Armstrong's for. That's what our missionaries and church planners are for. They're the ones that will fulfill the mission of God. That's not the mindset that Antioch had. They took it personally. They said, no, God's given us as a church His mission. How can we fulfill the mission of God as a church? And so notice what they were doing in verse 2. They were worshiping and fasting. In other words, they were waiting on God to tell them what He wanted them to do. Now in this text, it's clear, not all of them were sent out, only two. But it's because the church understood their responsibility to the mission of God. The same needs to be true for us today. We need to be ready And waiting, anticipating for God to declare to us exactly what He wants us to do in order so that we can fulfill the mission of God. And this morning specifically, it's to send out Corey and Ashley to Fayetteville, to Fort Bragg, so that they can expand God's kingdom there as they are empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Amen? But it all begins with a church that understands their responsibility to the mission of God. And then secondly... The church must be willing to part with those qualified and called. Now this is something that we we very rarely talk about, but it's a real reality for the church. Look look at this list of people in verse 1. Now there were those in the church at Antioch, prophets and teacher. The term prophets there speaks not to those who tell the future, but to those who declare the word of God. In other words, these were men who knew scriptures well and God was using them to teach and preach Jesus from the Old Testament when the New Testament had yet to be written. Don't forget that in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the church without what we have today as a full copy of God's word. Right? So they're proclaiming Jesus not from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're not proclaiming Jesus from the epistle of the Ephesians like we are doing as we're walking through Ephesians together. They are proclaiming Jesus solely and only from the Old Testament. And in order to do that, God gave the church, He gifted the church men who were able to speak, thus saith the Lord, if you will. 
right? Here's what God is declaring to us through the Old Testament about how the Old Testament is giving us glimpses and realities of who Jesus is. And so they were literally, I love this, they were literally living out the New Testament. Think about that. That worship service that they were a part of became a part of our Bible. That's incredible. Amen? They're gathered together worshiping and fasting in Acts 13. And we're reading about it today because it's Scripture now. They were literally living out God's Word. And in order for them to do that faithfully, God had to give them those who could speak His Word because His Word had yet to be fully written. And so we have these five men. Now, what's interesting is Three of these men, we know nothing else about. There's guesses. There's theories about who these men might have been. Change this letter, change this, 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 uh, this, this pronunciation. And maybe it's this guy, maybe it's that guy. We don't know anything about the other three. But we do know Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, we know very well. Yet notice, it is those two whom God will lead out of the church to another people. You see, the reality is, Oftentimes, God calls and leads qualified men and women, gifted men and women who are important to their church. He leads them somewhere new to share the gospel to someone different. And as a church, what that does is it leads, it leaves a gap that has to be filled. It leaves a hole sometimes, if you will. And it's something we've experienced as a church, right? We've seen God move, uh, just to name a few, Jamie and Joey, Dave and Danielle, Kenny and Fonda, Will and Sandra, now Corey and Ashley. We've seen God move people to other places to do a different work in a different place. And it always leaves the church here with a little gap, right? So much so that this past time, we didn't do a great job of letting them go, right? They said, oh, pray for a house. And we're like, yeah, sure, we're praying for a house. And maybe, right? Oh, we can't wait for y'all to stay here for a while longer, right? Because we love them, and we knew that we were going to miss them. And God was using them in our church to equip the saints, right? But if we're going to be a church that supports, the church has to be willing to part with those that are qualified and gifted, those that are qualified and called. And even though it's hard, and it does oftentimes leave a gap, we have to be willing to send them off and to support them well. And so... The church must understand their responsibility to the mission of God. The church must be willing to part with those qualified and called. And then thirdly, the church must submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in sending. So notice what takes place then in verse 2. It says, while they were gathered for worship, or while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. In other words, notice there was a sense of expectation for what God wanted to do among them. Listen to this. They were gathered together to hear a word from God. And oh, do we need that reminder as a church family so often. Too often we gather together at church for the wrong reasons. Instead of gathering together to simply hear a word from God. Right? We, we want to just remind ourselves that when we come together for worship, we are gathered together for one main thing, and that is to hear what God has to say to us through the Word and through the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what they were doing. 
they gathered together for worship, but notice they were fasting. In other words, they, they, they were fasting at home as they came into worship. They were prepared to hear a word from God. And what we see is that then in verse 2, it says that as they were worshiping, as they were fasting, notice the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, all throughout the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit of God is the one that is directing the mission of God. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. Things do not happen apart from the directing of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that directs the mission of God. And today is no different. We only do that which the Holy Spirit of God has led us to do. And the reality is, when we try to do something the Spirit hasn't led us to do, it never works well. Right? Because we can only do that which God enables us and empowers us to do, that which the Spirit leads us to do. And so, in order for this to happen, we must be submitted to the Lordship of Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit, and that is exactly what we saw in this text, and... That's what we agree has happened with Corey and Ashley over their year here. I love their story. I love how clear God made it that they should leave Vermont. I remember talking with Corey in that process, and I said, well, well, Corey, when God takes your house away, it's a pretty good indication he wants you to leave, right? Like, you can drag your feet all you want, but when the Lord takes your home and gives you a couple weeks to move out of it, Yeah, come on back to North Carolina and let's see what God does. Maybe he'll give you another home up there, but it's not looking like that's what's going on, right? And and then and then praying with them and talking with them and them talking with us as a church and keeping us up to date and we're praying with them and, and we're seeing how God is working, how God is saying to them, wait, 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 not now, wait, right? And I remember early on, you know, do you wanna you wanna do anything while you're here? Like, well, we're waiting. And then finally, okay, you're, you're waiting. And we, we agreed, like, yeah, let, let's, let's start doing something. And so they, they start with the Wednesday night. And they, they start having an impact in us as a church. And God's still telling them to wait. But God's making it clear that it's Fayetteville. It's Fayetteville. And there were times that, that Corey would come to me and he'd be like, well, now I don't know. Now we're back at square one, right? We're, we're, uh, or, or as his dad said to him, we're back at last blood, right? It's a hunting term. It's, it's you know, back, back, back to the last place we know we knew for sure what God was doing, and that's when he took our house away, right? So all we know for sure is we shouldn't be in Vermont, and then God just sort of kept opening that door, kept affirming, and then all of a sudden they get a call, and it's clear that God is now saying, now is the time, start getting boxes ready, right? And so as a church, we, we affirm that that's what the Spirit of God has been doing all along. Right? And now they're there, now they're on the ground, and now God is revealing to them ministry opportunities that they thought would be there, that some are different than what they thought, but now the Holy Spirit has not only led them, but the Holy Spirit has given them opportunities to be involved in what he is doing there in Fayetteville. And so the church must understand their responsibility to the mission of God. The church must be willing to part with those qualified and called. The church must submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in sending. And then finally, the church must validate and support those whom the Lord has called. Notice what happens in verse 3. In verse 3, we have the first commissioning service of the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit has directed the church to set apart Barnabas and Paul for the service to which God has called them. And that is exactly what they do. Notice how they do it. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They laid hands on them, symbolizing that they were in agreement with the Spirit 
and that they were willing to follow the Spirit's prompting. They agreed that Paul and Barnabas were qualified for the task and they were committing themselves to supporting them in their work. And what I love is history proves both of those true. Paul and Barnabas were qualified for the task. As a matter of fact, the New Testament, the book of Acts, will detail how Paul and Barnabas are used by God to take the gospel to the nations at the time. The goal was the ends of the earth. And through Paul, through Barnabas, God was able to take the gospel to the known ends of the earth at the time. And the church at Antioch never stopped supporting them. After their first missionary journey, you know where they came back to? Came back to Antioch. They were sent back out. After the second missionary journey, you know where they came back to? Antioch. They were sent back out. Third missionary journey, Paul didn't get to come back quite as easily. He was in prison, right? But they never stopped supporting Paul and Barnabas. They never, even when Paul and Barnabas decided to, to take one team and turn it into two through some difficulties and frustrations, Antioch continued to support both parties. And so what we want to do today is we want to do just that. We, we want to affirm what the Spirit has led Corey and Ashley to do. And we want to validate their calling and their qualifications. We've seen it, amen? And we know that God is going to use them. And the fact that he's going there and they're going there to help get things off the ground from Sunday on makes perfectly good sense from everything we've seen in them. So we want to validate God's calling on their life. We want to validate what God is leading them to do. But we also want to commit to supporting them in whatever way the Spirit allows and in whatever way the Spirit leads. Right? And I don't know what that's going to look like. There's financial support that we're still giving. There's, there's prayer support that we've been giving all along. There, there may be trips to Fayetteville coming up. There, there may be this, there may be that. We, we don't know. But what we want to do as a church is we, as we lay hands on them, we want to say we validate what God's doing. We come alongside you and we want to support you in whatever way the Spirit leads us as a church to support. Right? And that's what we want to do. And we want to continue to be their partners in the gospel. Knowing that God is the one who's using all of us wherever and however he sees fit to accomplish his mission in the world. Amen? And we're just thrilled to be a part of it. Isn't it, isn't it such an honor to just be a part of what God is doing? And we just want to, we want to come alongside, we want to lay hands on them, pray over them, and commit them to the work of the Lord and commit to supporting them as the Lord leads. So that's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to have Corey and Ashley and, and Ellie. She can come. She can run around. We've missed her so badly. She can come. I want to have them come and just sit on the front pew. I'm not going to have them kneel at the altar because we don't want Ashley to have a baby yet. So we're going to let them sit on the front pew. She's due at the end of the month, so it's getting close. Close enough that we're going to have her sit on the front, front pew. And here's what I'm going to ask. Anybody that feels led, I'm going to ask you to just come forward, get behind them on the road where Carrie's at, get beside them, and just lay hands on them. If you can't get to them, lay hands on someone that's laying hands on them. Again, you all have to move, but if you feel led, this is your time to move. So everybody that wants to, jump up and, and let's lay hands on them. I'm going to lead us in prayer. You pray as, uh, as I pray. Lord... We just come before you now, and Lord, we lift up Corey, and we lift up Ashley to you, Lord, Wyatt and Shepard and Ellie, and Lord, the baby to come, and, and we just pray, Lord, for your blessings to be upon their family. 
Uh, Lord, in the midst of ministry, Lord, oftentimes family is difficult. And so, Lord, I pray for Corey and Ashley. I pray for their marriage. I pray that you put a hedge of protection around it. And, Lord, that you strengthen their relationship in all ways. Lord, that you encourage them, you love them, and, Lord, that you help them to love one another well. And, Lord, that their marriage would be a great picture of the relationship that you have with your church. Uh, Lord, I pray for, for their family. I pray that they would parent well. Lord, that they would raise, uh, Lord, Wyatt, Shepherd, and Ellie, Lord, in the fear and the admonition of who you are. Lord, that they would discipline well, that they would shepherd well. And Lord, that they would not overlook the first disciples that they are to make, which is their own children. And so, Lord, I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do for them in their marriage and in their family. And then, Lord, we pray for the ministry there in Fayetteville through Point Church. Lord, I pray that it would be a a fruitful ministry, Lord, not for their sake, Lord, not for numbers' sake, but for your glory and for your honor. Lord, that they would make many disciples, that they would shepherd people well, that they would be exactly what Point Church needs to sort of take their their ministry to the next step. And Lord, I pray that you would use them in a just incredible way there at Point Church. And Lord, that they would be exactly the fit that Point Church needs. And Lord, we we know that's going to be the case because we've seen how you have worked and how you've brought them to this place. And Lord, we don't know what the future is going to look like for them. But Lord, we just commit them to you. And we pray that your will would be done in their life and in their ministry. And then Lord, I pray for us as Corinth. Lord, that we would be the partners in the gospel that they need. Lord, that we would love them and encourage them. Lord, that we would support them financially, that we would support them through prayer, Lord, through encouragement. Lord, when, when Corey needs uh, just, just friendly faces, Lord, I pray that we would be there for him. Lord, when, when Ashley needs someone to talk to, I pray that she would have folks here to talk to. Lord, when, when the children need some, some grandma, and Lord, that they would have those in this church that they can spend time with. And Lord, that we would love them well. And Lord, we're, we're grateful that they're going to be close enough that we can see them and, and, and physically love on them more than when they were in Vermont. And we just thank you for that, Lord. That is your grace to them. That is your grace to us. And we are so grateful for it. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us well in their ministry. And Lord, that this partnership would continue to bring you glory and bring you honor. Lord, we can't wait for the day that we set before your throne, that we stand before your throne, and we see the throngs of those who have come to faith. And Lord, we're so excited that you allow us to have a part in bringing people into your kingdom. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray and commit them to you. Amen.